we've gotten so far and away more than our fair share of really special sites. And a great number of those have come from Mike Kaiser. Uh, he, he's been, he is simply the most incredible and should be the most highly acclaimed golf developer in the world. And, uh, he, the products that he puts out there and the care that he puts into them is just beyond comparison. And, but he finds these sites. It goes back to that, that, that nucleus of playing golf on sandy, firm ground. And in Mike's case, at least until Sand Valley, it was always about somewhere near the sea. Um, He's, he just finds it to be it's a it's a connection to 500 years of golf history and he he just i think he believed him before he started doing these golf developments that that was a connection that would resonate with american golfers as well as european and other other nationality golfers and he he brought it to us he gave us the opportunity to experience that and he was right I mean, it's a, it's a, it may be the oldest form of golf in the world, but I think it's still the most appreciated. Put another log on the fire. Nobody here is getting tired. Welcome to the fire pit with Matt Janella. This is a bit of a new form of a fire pit podcast, <laughs> um, which we're we're throwing together throwing together pretty spontaneously because of the news out of Bandon Dunes and because of the news out of Bandon Dunes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a thunderbolt. I mean. New golf courses abandoned. We got to put up the bat signal. Like it, it's time to go. <laughs> There's a, that gets our attention quickly. Not to mention, I said that it's very rare that Bandon, for lack of a better term, trumps its own news. Uh, but 13 USGA championships coming to coming to the resort in the next 24 years for me, it's it's like the hits just keep on coming. And all amateur championships, for that matter. Which, given the infrastructure and the location, is pretty much all that it can have. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, abandoned dunes, golf as it was meant to be, best pieces of property used for golf, minimalist architects, uh, Spartan, you know, accommodations and infrastructure. Uh, always, you know, Mike Kaiser's, you know grandest dream for a place in which he started with one course and a little lodging was the idea of hosting a U.S. amateur. I don't think even in his wildest dreams, even though it has grown to be what's now widely considered dream golf, uh, which includes Sand Valley and and Cabot, uh, all that is happening at Cabot, Links and Cliffs, this is far beyond his wildest dreams. I, I don't think he could have ever imagined having now what what's going to be multiple U.S. amateurs, multiple women's amateurs, a Curtis Cup, a Walker Cup, junior amateur championships. You know, this, this is between the USGA giving Pinehurst multiple U.S. Opens and essentially be declaring Pinehurst as kind of the old course of U.S. Opens, like the old course is to the Opens. Bandon is now becoming the home and the hub of amateur championships. I mean, as it should be, it's really the heartbeat of American golf. And there might be individual courses that uh, are meaningful to, to each of us and the golf fans and, and to the golf world. But as a destination for the public golfer, there's nothing even close to Bandon Dunes. And it's uh, it's such a special place to so many of us. And uh, the USGA, with its mandate to grow the game and their renewed emphasis on the grassroots of the game. It's just a perfect statement that they are making Bandon essentially their home base. It's not Oakmont. It's not Wingfoot. It's not these very fancy private clubs. And those are still nice U.S. Open venues every eight or ten years. But Bandon and the USGA, 
uh, there's this kismet, like they, they have the same mission, which is to get everyday golfers excited about golf and to bring the championships to these wondrous golf courses. And, um, you know, I see this at whenever there's a major played at a, at a public course, whether it's Pebble or it's Pinehurst or especially Torrey Pines this year, when you go out and you walk around, the fans have this sense of ownership, like, Oh, you know, I hit my drive right there and uh, I got up and down from that bunker. And there's, there's such a connection to what they're watching because they played those courses. And so uh, the average golf fan might not generally watch the Walker cup or the U S amateur, but if it's abandoned, they will, because they played those courses. They know the shots, they know the decisions that the players are facing and it just makes it so much more special. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful statement by the USGA and it's, it's a fantastic recognition of what Bandon is. And you know, it's just a great day for golf. But yeah, before we get funny. too deep, um, sorry to interject, Matt, but just, you know, for somebody who hasn't been to Bandon Dunes, can you guys paint a quick picture for me? What the place is like, obviously I've heard so much about it. Um, but for the people that haven't been, I know you guys have had so many experiences there. Uh, can you can you give me an idea? Well, I mean, I mean, for me, it it started in 1999, obviously with Bandon Dunes, and then David McClay Kid, and you know, you have a place like Whistling Straits where you have four Pete Dye golf courses. Uh, you can have um, you can have play. You know, the, the sort of the model is, you know. Uh, the model was at that point, you know, oh, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, uh, you know, Tom, uh, uh, um, Tom Fazio or, or Reese Jones, Robert Trent Jones. You know, here comes David McClay Kidd, uh, really out of nowhere, out of Scotland, 25 years old. He gets plucked um, out of, you know, obscurity, out of Macrahanish uh, to build Bandon Dunes. Uh, he and his dad essentially, uh, you know, sort of put Bandon on the map by building Scottish golf in Oregon uh, with a limited number of uh, lodging. And then uh, you have uh, Tom Doak followed closely behind two years later, Pacific Dunes. So 1999 Bandon Dunes, 2001 Tom Doak Pacific Dunes, 2005 Bandon Trails by Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw before they were really Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw. 2010 Old McDonald and homage essentially to C.B. McDonald, built by Tom Doak and Jim Urbina. 2012, Band and Preserve, 13-hole par 3 course by Corin Crenshaw. 2014, a punch bowl putting course. So, I mean, and then, you know, 2020, uh, you know, Sheep Ranch by Corin Crenshaw. So five big courses, multiple short course, little options by a wide variety of architects, but all of them have something similar, which is they like to do the bare minimum to the land in order to extract the maximum uh, in terms of an experience. And, um, and so you have this, you know, if, if you don't like this one, you might like this one. And if you don't like this one, you might like this one. If you don't like the coast, you might like it within the trees. And if you don't like it in the trees, go ahead and go back out on the coast. If you don't like two 18 old courses in one day, you can have 18 big holes and you can have 13 short courses, or you can just go have a great time at the punch bowl putting course. And all of it is within a three to seven minute shuttle ride all of it has, you know, multiple clubhouses, multiple dining options, Spartan lodging. It is the purest form of a golf destination, uh, you know, not just in America, but I think in the world. Well, I have to correct you, Matt. No one says, I don't like this. I like that. They say, I love that, but I really love that. I mean, it's uh, there. Every course is so fun. And you, know, you, you and I, Old McDonald's not our favorite course on the property, but I know some people it's their number one. And that that's the, the genius of it is the, even though it's on the same piece of property, the courses play very differently. The challenges are different, uh, the aesthetics. And so it really is a fun debate and it can be almost tiresome because people do this endlessly is ranking your courses and everyone is different and no one's wrong or, or right. It's just, they're, they're, they're so unique despite their close proximity. And, um, the cold, there's just there's just a magic to the place like 
everyone is there for only one reason, and that's just to have a great time and to play golf and to test yourself against the wind and the elements and each other and against the uh, the transfusions and against the late night dinners and the dice games. And it's just you've never seen so many people having so much fun. And even, you know, everyone knows I, I live pretty close to Pebble Beach and it's a special place to me. But you know, Pebble's a totally different vibe and people come here and they go to the art galleries and they walk on the beach and they might take a day trip to San Francisco or Big Sur and all that. Bandon, you were just there to play golf from the time you wake up until you collapse into bed. And the only breaks you take are to eat and drink and, uh, and what, and male, you know, other rituals of male bonding, but it's, um, it's really just the purity of the experience. You, there's only one thing to do there. I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. Um, and it's just to have fun and play golf and test yourself on these amazing golf courses and with the elements ever changing. And, uh, and of course there's the whole caddy culture that adds a lot to it. There are characters and, and they add to the experience and you go out on the putting course and you're a group of 16 or 20. And then there's, there's a bunch of other clusters like that and everyone's whooping and hollering and, um, I mean, they, Disneyland is not the happiest place on earth. Like the parents are all miserable. Bandon is honestly the happiest place on earth. And even if you three putt the last hole to lose all the bets, it's okay because you'll get them tomorrow or the next day or the next day. So uh, there's just uh, the court. The golf is great, but the camaraderie and the sense of fellowship and the fact that it's this pilgrimage to get there and it's even that's a challenge and uh, it just it adds to the whole kind of magical experience. And that that pilgrimage is is what creates that like minded feeling amongst anybody who's there is everybody has made that trek. There's a bunch of, you know, it almost feels like once you're there, you've arrived at your club, so to speak, where you're going to see somebody. Everybody's looking at each other like, oh, you made it here. I made it here, too. You made it here, too. I made it here, too. I'm good at this. You're in the shuttle and everybody's like, what do you like? The bell? Oh, I like this one. The bell. What do you, you know, what are you going to where are you going to eat tonight? What are you playing tomorrow? Oh, I just played you coming or you going. It's it's the conversation. It's the. It's all of that, but then it's the shuttle drivers. It's Shu, the director of outside happiness. It's it's the it's the fact that I can still see. I've been there twenty six times over the course of the last, you know, twenty five year, twenty years. I, I you still see the same wait staff or the same people who are there. You know them by name. They know you by name. Um, you you. It's all about sort of the, the 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 experience goes so far beyond just like what's happening in the form of golf. It's the fire pits. It's the, you know, the walks, you know, back to the room, the cottages down in the bunker bar and the hooping and hollering. I mean, it, it's the, even just the walk to the labyrinth, which I tell everybody to go do from time to time. It's a special little experience, the dedication or the sort of the, the hints or the winks to guys like Howard McKee, who, who, uh, or shorties who used to manage the property, uh, Howard McKee, who envisioned how the land would be all laid out. All those things are, are happening. Um, and, and it's, and it's subtle. they the subtleties are what's so great about it. And the going back is part of it too. Like, you know, the 15th hole at Bannon Dunes is one of the hardest par threes in the world when the wind's blown at you. And it's often the last round of, of, of our big Uncle Tony Invitational. I'm like, you know, when you tee off, okay, in three and a half hours, I'm going to have this do or die shot that could decide the whole thing. And you think about what you did the year before and the year before and the year before and where you missed it or what club you should have hit. And there's that institutional knowledge that adds up when you play the same things over and over. Like, you know, Matt and I have done these great barnstorming trips uh, across Scotland and Ireland and Australia. And, you know, we're always in a hurry. You get to play these courses once. You may never see them again. And you appreciate them and you love them. But, uh, Bannon, you keep coming back, keep coming back. And so you have your own scar tissue and your own triumphs and your your personal history. And that all gets just baked into the experience. And so there's just adds more and more layers to the whole thing. But, uh, I mean, we, you and I can, Matt, we can wax poetic about and the dunes forever. We should talk about the news. And I'll tell you, so I, I played around a golf with Mike Kaiser a couple months ago in uh, the East Bay um, at this scruffy little Muni course. You know, Mike Kaiser could get a game anywhere on the planet. He wants to play San Francisco Golf Club. He wants, you know, he, he wants to play Olympic. No, he, he chose this like $30 Muni with this very mixed crowd. Um, and it was wonderful. And we had a great time. And one thing you said to me 
and it was just a four hour conversation. It was as delightful as you would imagine about a myriad topics, but he said, you know, golf development is a young man's game. And he's like, I'm not a young man anymore. And I think probably that added some urgency, like his place in, in golf history is secure. Like he, we're going to be, we're going to be toasting Mike Kaiser 50 years from now, hundred years from now, 200 years from now. But I think it was meaningful to him to get these USD championships on the slate. Is he going to be around in, in 2045? I sure hope so. But, you know, he's in his late 70s, so maybe not. But uh, it's something that he knows is coming and that that's part of his legacy. And so it's really cool. It's like, you know, why write someone's obituary once they're dead? Like Mike Kaiser deserved to have this validation and this celebration. And, you know, he lays his head on the pillow tonight. He's going to have a huge smile on his face because they have secured this relationship that is so good for both the USGA and for Bandon. And it's also, and Matt, you can speak more about, about these particular courses and, and developments because you've been working the phones all day, but uh, you know, he's, he's been tied up in, in a bunch of projects and some of them moving at this glacial pace. Like he, he wants to build five courses at this air force base on the California coast. They're like a year 10 of trying to get that done. And who knows if they'll ever get it across the finish line. And so I think these two new courses abandoned, it's like, you know what? It's not now or never because his, his sons are great stewards and, and they, they could, they could do these things, but if we're going to do it, let's do it now. So the old man can go out and play it and enjoy it and see it. And so I think there, there was a little urgency and I detected that in our conversation. Like, you know, he, he wants a victory lap. And so this is the ultimate one and you can't be more happy for him and his family and all the people who care about golf, but it's, it's kind of a celebration of, of his legacy. It's funny because I mean, I just spoke to him an hour ago and I, I was asking him, you know, cause he said to me in June of last year at the opening of the sheep ranch, that that would be the last piece of the golf puzzle at Bandon Dunes, that five big courses, the short course, you know, shorties, the punch bowl and preserve that, 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 that would be enough. And I do think that, you know, he's been sitting on this property that was once deemed a place where they would be building a golf course called Bandon Muni. His, in theory, a give back to locals in which they would be able to play that those 27 holes by Gil Hance for a very small fee. You know, resort guests would still be paying resort you know, resort fees, but this was going to be a place where he was going to have a junior caddy academy. He was going to be uh, allowing uh, locals to play it for, for far less money than, than what resort guests uh, pay to play. And this was going to be kind of his, in a way his give back much like band and preserve is with, you know, he uses essentially most of the proceeds to give back to community efforts. And I said, so wait a minute, Mike, you said in June that this was the last piece. And he said, well, I'll be honest, like, you know, the demand is so high uh, based on, you know, both, I think, not only what happened in terms of COVID with the momentum of golf in general, but also the display of what was the U.S. amateur. I think from that point forward, I mean, if you think that I, ha I, I was usually booking the Uncle Tony in Invitational year in advance, I had to book in August of 2020 to book for October of 2022 and barely got a group of 28 in almost a year and a half in advance in advance. Yeah. And that, that in itself made him think like he's been sitting on this land for over 20 years. And what was going to happen was he was going to take portions of the land he owned and swap it out, you know, trade it essentially plus cash to the Oregon state parks department so that he could get enough land and the better part of the land to build what was going to be Gil Hans's band in Muni, 27 holes. But after all the negotiations and the Oregon state parks department continuing to come back to him and want more and more and more in what was already in what he considered a four to one value in their favor, he eventually said, you know what? I'm out. I'm going to go build the sheep ranch. I'm done doing this. I, it's not worth the effort or the energy or certainly the expense. And I'm going to go, you know, Phil Friedman is ready and, and, and to, to turn 
sheep ranch into what it is now. And so they did that. And he said, but with the demand so high, he had David Kidd come out in March, take a look at what the land he had. David Kidd created it, spent weeks there and walked it and created a routing, brought, brought Mike back out there. And Mike has a rating system of how he rates holes, one to 10. And he'll go each hole, one to 10, one to 10, one to 10. The reason why Mike Kaiser started hiring David Kidd again was because he rated Gamble Sands so high after a trip to Gamble Sands, to which he then realized David Kidd is back to building fun again. That's how he got the job building Mammoth Dunes at Sand Valley. And that's how and why he's going to get the job to build this sixth course at Bandon Dunes if they get the permitting, which is a big if. Um, but he owns the land. That makes permitting a little easier. And, you know, look at what, look at, look at the track record he's got. If someone wants to get in the way of more of this, uh, of what is, you know, Dunes restoration after what was ghost, ghost gorse choked land and essentially a major fire hazard. Um, I think, I think, I think the problem is theirs, not ours. Well, and, and you said something important there. Um, you know, he abandoned this abandoned muni and he built sheep rants and sheep rants has been a home run. I mean, we're now a year basically into it's uh, 13 months. It's been on the planet. Everyone freaking loves sheep rants. Um, and instead of spreading out the play, it actually just made every course more packed because everyone has to go play sheep ranch now and it's brought more people abandoned. And even though they have another course, it's like, it, it hasn't really lessened the demand elsewhere. It's increased it. And so, um, there's a few things going on there, but I, you know, dealing with governmental agencies is, especially on the coast is always a challenge, but the, the the economic impact that Mike Kaiser has had on that part of Oregon is just phenomenal. And the amount of money and time he's put into restoring the watershed and, and other environmental projects, he's been such an incredible partner and steward of, of the land, not just around Bandon, but the whole, the whole part of Oregon that it's just hard to fathom. Anyone could object. Uh, so, Hopefully now with, with renewed energy and uh, will, uh, this will finally get done. And I know it'd be so satisfying for Kaiser. Cause as you said, he's walked away from this project a couple times and thrown his hands in the air and to get it across the finish line would be huge. And, uh, so, I mean, I don't know. What do we have to do? Let's start right. Let's start a, a letter writing campaign. We could get about 50,000 pieces of mail dumped on the desks of the, <laughs> the county supervisors and clerks. And, uh, you know, I, they must know how popular Bannon Dunes is, but maybe, maybe we need some, some physical evidence, but for sure the entire golf world is behind Mike Kaiser. And, you know, maybe this one, two punch helps. It's like now the, um, you know, he's, he has the blessing of the USGA and he, he has a, a formal relationship with the USGA and maybe they can push some of the levers of power to, to help make this happen. So that's not why Bandon is hosting these USGA events, but that, that could be helpful. You know, there's uh, any way you can bring pressure to bear on, on these, these governmental agencies and, and obstructionists and, and shot callers uh, we support because, uh, you know, David McClay kid, as he said, Matt, like Bandon is where it all started for him. And uh, you know, Corey Crenshaw now had two bites of the apple. It would be awesome for him to come back and and do what's probably the last course abandoned, but certainly, uh, you know, McClay kid deserves that, that recognition as well. And a chance to put his stamp on, on another course there. So it, it just makes it a totally uh, delicious project. I talked to David kid also earlier today, and he referred to that, that very idea that he could have, he could build the first, when he was 25 in 19, you know, late nineties from 19, 1997 to 1999 to now building what would be the sixth course. He said it would be poetic. He said, uh, uh, you know, essentially nearing his sixties to go from his, you know, twenties to Bandon, learning all that he's learned and knowing all that he knows and to be able to put the, to put the, to the exclamation point or the, or the, the cherry on top of what is this this epic Sunday of golf would would be poetic for him, uh, and and what a hell of a narrative.
I just put out a Twitter poll asking general general public about what what do they think is is the bigger news, the idea that Bandon is going to build a sixth golf course or that they are now going to get 13 USGA championships, about 500 votes in where, you know, we're 23 minutes into the poll and 64% of 500 votes are saying a sixth, sixth course and 36% are saying USGA championships. But the, that, you know, essentially that means the, the general amateurs are saying, yes, we get a sixth course. The elite M's are saying, wow, we get a chance to compete at one of these, you know, epic sort of true links style, you know, uh, uh, venues with the exception of banding trails, which, you know, is inland and, and has some, uh, a links look to it. Uh, but it's not necessarily, you know, on the, on the water, but, um, I, I it's, it's interesting to me because I, I actually think that with these championships comes TV and with TV comes these, this, transcendent group of eyeballs on the way golf is supposed to be played. So if you looked at the U S amateur, just like we saw in Pinehurst in 2014, when we saw a browned out ball on the ground, moving around impact that that had on the eyeballs of people who are watching it. I actually think these may, you know, these USGA championships and being able to see band and dunes and see that style of golf in America is going to continue to have a ripple effect on golf and development in America. Uh, not to mention highlighting things like short courses and putting courses. It's just an opportunity to keep having this ripple effect of what Mike's building to go beyond people who are willing to actually make the trip and play the golf. Yeah. And I think it'll, you know, Matt and I, you've been there a lot more than I have, but we're both blessed to have been there a good number of times. And I, I think we sort of take for granted that any kind of hardcore golfer's been there, but just look at the fire pit collective roster. Colt hasn't been, Ryan French hasn't been, Laz Versailles has not been. And so I think these USJ championships will create this momentum that every person who's thought about it and, and procrastinated or talked themselves out of it for one reason or another, they're all going to get on the plane over time because those courses look so great on TV. I mean, the US amateur was just a riveting show to see really, really great amateur golfers attacking those courses and having to contend with the wind and having to play shots and all the tricky little short game. Like if if that didn't get your blood pumping, then you're dead. Like it was just, it it was, it was such a great show. And, you know, you you take a Walker cup there, you uh, Curtis cup, you know, bringing the the team element and the flag waving and, the, the partner golf and the alternate shot, it just, it just adds a whole other element of intrigue. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a wonderful development and you're right. Infrastructure is an issue. Like, you know, all these events draw somewhat limited crowds. Uh, there's a part of me, like I've always sort of held out hope for a Ryder cup abandoned, um, <laughs> because, it would just be so phenomenal. And it's, it's what we play, right? Like when we go up there, it's always two man teams. It's always best ball and crazy stuff happens. You can be super aggressive. You can, you can both, both players can wind up in funky spots and you're just fighting for a bogey. And, um, you know, it would, you would, how you'd get, it'd have to be somewhat limited fans and people would have to be willing to take a long bus ride from somewhere. But, um, I guess I can let that dream go because we are getting all these great USGA championships. But, uh, you know, I was thinking you, you could dock some cruise ships out off on the coast and those would be the hotels. Like there's, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but anyway, it, it's, it's a different dream, but I, I think these USGA events are, are such a, a wonderful fit and it, it's going to be awesome to see the junior, you know, the U S juniors, like, to, you know, they can't over the power of the course, like, like the U S amateur in, in a lot of ways. So, uh, so many different styles of golf on, on so many different unique playing fields. And uh, it's, it's going to be wonderful for the competitors, for the viewers, and obviously for stimulating interest in Bandon Dunes as a destination. And I, I think it's relatable in two ways, right? <clears throat> we mentioned how, you know, obviously there's going to be a broadcast of it and you get to watch it on TV and then hopefully one day go out there and you get to, to play those same shots. But in the other way, Matt, we talked about this just this week um, with the, with the amateur championship all of these championships that are coming out to Bandon Dunes, all 13 are match play championships. And that's what, you know, we typically play, or I would assume you guys typically play when you head up there, you know, with your buddies. Um, So, you know, to you, how, 
how is that more relatable than say watching guys shoot 65? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's layers of relatability that it is at a public course and that it is match play. Uh, and then what that yields in terms of strategy or shot making. I mean, I remember watching, uh, you know, guys at the, at the amateur trying to hit chip shots all the, off those tight lies around those greens. And I'm thinking to myself, what are they doing? You got to putt that. That's a putt. That's a, you got to putt, you know, and then they chunk the chip and it comes back to their feet. And it's like, I told you, you got to putt that. Like well, any good caddy would have put a putter in that player's hand and said, putt this. Are you kidding me? Um, so there's, there's that. Um, uh, the That's other true thing is golf. Yeah, it's true. Links oh, golf. Yeah. But the other thing, Mike, Mike pointed out to me in that championships, boys and girls, men's and women's that are happening in the same year at the same time consecutively back to back could end up actually happening at the same time so that you're going, you are having the men's and women's or the boys and girls because they have the courses and they can do it. You can actually be having them simultaneously, not like, what Pinehurst did in 2014, where you have the the men's followed by the women. This is going to be, um, this is going to be something in which, if they do this, like Mike said, I, I you know, it's women's and and girls golf matters uh, to him, and wants this to be an opportunity to really showcase uh, that that golf on the main stage. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that and. When you know, like when the Vic Open down in Australia had the the men and the women playing at the same time, it was great for the competitors. They got they got exposed to new ideas, and it was it was, it was a fun change. And it you know we all know that women's golf viewership is lagged behind men's, and so when and yet it's so compelling to watch. If you can just get people to tune in, they fall in love with it, and and the players and and the the finesse and and the and the precision that they bring to the sport, and so anything you can do to get more eyeballs on the women's game is, is super valuable. And I think um, that's a great idea. And knowing, knowing Kaiser and his his love of, of women's golf. And uh, I I think it'll happen. And I think it'll be really cool for everyone involved. I think, I think it's important. Mike made several mentions of this to me is that he really credits Mike Davis for making all this happen. And then he credits Josh Lesnick, the original general manager of Bandon Dunes, going back to the late 90s, who was in his 20s, who we've told that story in the Fire Pit podcast of the building of Bandon Dunes, obviously, in a two-part podcast about how David Kidd and Josh Lesnick were, were in their 20s out there like, you know, I don't know what I was doing in my late 20s, but I wasn't out there, you know, building one of the greatest golf destinations in the world like Josh and David were. But um, he says that Josh Lesnick was really his big thing was to befriend Mike Davis. They've gone on to become great friends and then bring Mike Davis to Bandon Dunes to show him what was happening. And Mike Davis really fell in love with the place because of those visits. And, and, and Mike Kaiser really gives both Josh and Mike a lot of credit for what, what has just uh, uh, transpired in the terms of the USGA championship. So it's, it's definitely worth noting. Yeah, that, that's cool. I love that. And uh, that's a nice feather in the cap for Mike Davis. You know, his tenure is is ended, but he, he's still in the game. And um, that's a nice thought for sure. Uh, I just think it, it's just the outpouring of excitement. You know, this went around the Internet. It was I, other than, you know, Tiger getting in a car crash. I can't think of a piece of news that I saw in so many places. It just tells you the emotional attachment people have to Bandon Dunes and uh, a six course. Oh my God. USJ championships. Uh, the, the speed in which it got picked up and how widely it was disseminated and, and just the, the, the celebration that followed. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable and it's, uh, it's sort of validating, you know, it because Bandon's different, right? It's not, it's not fancy hotel rooms. It's not plush green grass. You're not zooming around in a cart. Um, it's the different kind of golf, and it makes different demands of the people who make that trip. Um, but 
it's sort of validation for 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 golf the way it should be and the way we love it. And one other thing that came out of my round with Kaiser, I want to mention is uh, we were talking about the prices and band is not cheap. I mean, um, it, it becomes a great value. As I think most people know, you, you play one round, pay full price. If you go for a second 18, that one's half price. And if you go for a third 18, that's free. And so you get three rounds of golf for basically 450 bucks. And um, you know, in one quality- day, in yeah, one day. Yeah. yeah. And the quality is such that it's a hell of a bargain. And, but I, I asked Mike, I said, so I, I said, I feel like the, that first round at $295 has been like that for years. He's like, yeah, five years. Uh, I said, is that, is that, is that kind of an emotional number you don't want to cross like a, a threshold? He said, yeah, for sure. He's like, they, they beg me. And he said, he said, Lesnick begs me every year to raise the prices. Uh, he's like, whatever number we set, we could probably get. He's like, but I don't want to go above, I don't want to go above 295. Like, I feel like that's, you know, there's, there's sort of a, uh, he just doesn't want the, 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 the greens for you to start with a three and because he's the big cheese, that's this, how it is. And, uh, so, you know, that's so against the American way where everyone's trying to squeeze every dollar out of everyone else at all times. Right. And in any other business, uh, you, you know, you look at the, the cost of, a you know, a, a lift ticket to go skiing. I, it just goes up every year by like 20 bucks. You look at Disneyland, like these things just are on a straight upward climb. And the fact that Bannon has held the line on their greens fees now for five going on six years, even as you mentioned, Matt, the, the demand has exploded. Um, it's just cool. It, it, it gives me like a warm, fuzzy feeling for, for my Kaiser and his people, because there's, um, there's something else at play here besides just trying to make money. And that, that's a rarity in this world. And when the beneficiaries are the everyday golfers who, uh, you know, might have to save up all year so they, they can go make that trip and they go in February, they go in October when the rates are even cheaper. And, um, you know, he, he's really doing right by those people. And I think it's just a cool part of this, this whole story. Well, it's, it's, it's worth noting that, He's always told me that he's always wanted to be half of Pebble Beach. So whatever Pebble Beach charges, which is now north of 600, he's he's still held to that commitment of being half of Pebble Beach. Um, you mentioned the idea if you play a third 18 hole or a third round of golf under the same sun, that round is for it is free. Um, the 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 other thing the other thing that that's worth pointing out is, is I remember speaking to him when he, when he opened up band and preserve and punch bowl 2012, 2014, he added, he added these, the short course and then the putting course preserve is a hundred dollars in peak season and $50 in the off season and punch bowl, a putting course is free. And I remember saying to him, I go, I don't understand these last two parts of what you've added to the portfolio or essentially undermining your business why are you giving people a place to go and play at a far less cost of your of your big cost and your big investment which is the big golf the big golf courses and he says you know i i get it i i know what you're saying it probably is not a the greatest idea by me it's it's probably not the best business idea i've ever had but you have to remember that what I'm trying to do is create the kind of an experience, the kind of experience that people have in which they don't just come here once I need them to come back. And if they're driving away and they think to themselves, well, yeah, it was this amount of money, but we got that punch bowl afternoon for free, or we went and played the preserve and it, you know, for $50 or, or it was because it was the third round of our day, we got to play it for free. You know, they're more inclined to come back. The reason why the menu isn't going to kill you in terms of, of what you're eating or what you're ordering or what you're drinking is because that's all part of his commitment to not only having you come once, but he wants you to come back. And if you look at the bottom out prices in November, December, January, and February, in which a lot of people, you know, the dirty little secret is those might be some of the best months to go to Bandon. And yeah, you get shorter days, but you get a lot smaller bills at the end is another, you know, 
amazing part of this whole equation is that he bottoms out the prices in the off season. <laughs> he needs to keep that place active. He needs to keep a job for the, you know, the people he's, he's employing uh, both in, you know, the service industry, but also the caddies, et cetera. So the whole thing is, you know, you wonder how can somebody in 20 years build a place that becomes the number one pure golf destination in a country in which they've been building golf for 130 years. How did he do it with that kind of commitment to the experience, the affordability, the accessibility, and, uh, and the opportunity to not just come, but come, come once, but come back. I mean, honestly, how many people have given so much enjoyment to their fellow man as Mike Kaiser? Maybe Hugh Hefner. Uh, you know, we could we could come up we could come up with a small list, but like uh, Henry Mike, Ford, yeah, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, you know, whatever. But like, it's it's a small Mike list, Kaiser. yeah. And I mean, he's just a great American. That's how I think of the guy. It's not that he's just great for golf, like. Um, the the example he's set as an industry leader and as as a philanthropist and as a conservationist like i i mean I, he's just he's the man i don't know what else to say but uh, anyway yeah i really feel like we could talk about band and dunes all night but the uh, the bottom line is there's going to be another course we feel good about that despite some of the the headwinds politically and there's going to be 13 USGA championships. We're all, it's not Colt, me and you, Matt, we're going to be in our seventies when they're, they're still playing these. And, um, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll drag our sorry butts up there to cover the, the 2045, you know, USGA slate at Bandon Dunes. Cause why not? I mean, we might only play 18 holes that day when we're sneaking off, but, uh, I think we'll be there because why not? It's like, uh, I know, by the way, it's not like these are the only 13, I'm sure they're just going to keep adding to it as, as they're successful and people are get excited. I mean, um, you know, who, who knows the sky's the limit and maybe, 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 maybe the women's open, you know, that doesn't require the infrastructure and it doesn't have the crowd demands and maybe they'll figure out a way they, they, they could do a U.S. open with limited crowds. Like, you know, Marion, um, you just, just accept you're only going to have 10,000 fans a day and you're not going to make as much, um, but you're giving something back that's really special to, to golf fans. So this, this is a long-term relationship that I think is, is going to be um, evolving and, and there'll be more exciting surprises in. Well, there, there's 24 new rooms that are opening up next week. Mike is on his way to Bandon Dunes to, to see those. They've got another 48 rooms that they're building. Uh, and, they're building a new clubhouse overlooking the 18th hole of Old McDonald. It's going to be a, there's going to be a steakhouse there. There's going to be another punch bowl uh, near Old McDonald. Uh, if he builds the sixth golf course, um, he's going to need in in his mind he needs another two uh, another 72 rooms at the minimum uh, that he's looking to expand on. Um, they have a. They've bought an old motel in the town abandoned that if they get the permitting approved, they could potentially renovate and restore and, and add another 32 rooms uh, there. So um, when you say there's more to come, I mean, there's more to come. <laughs> and I just want to make it, the, <clears throat> yeah. I was just going to make the point that, I mean, the excitement starts now, right? I mean, there's 13 championships coming, stretching all the way to 2045, but Next year, 2022 Junior Am, and they made that, you know, this announcement today as the Junior Am is going on, just finished uh, the stroke play rounds. want to shout out Kelly Chin, who dropped a course record 64 at the Country Club of North Carolina Dogwood course yesterday. Um, this tournament's no joke. This is no regular junior golf tournament. I mean, going back, you know, looking at the finalists since 2010, Minwoo Lee, who just won Scottish Open, Zalatoris, Scheffler, Akshay Bhatia, Matt Wolf, Spieth, JT, and then going beyond that, of course, you know, Tiger, Mahan, Badly, uh, a slew of guys. So, I mean, these are uh, the stars of tomorrow, and that's happening next year. Yeah, and it's just, it's all is part of the brand. I mean, kids, women, uh, seniors. I mean, Bandon is just a very inclusive 
place. And that's why this slate of tournaments is uh, so fitting. You know, it's not just the best of the best. Uh, it's not like they're saying we're, either we get a U.S. Open or nothing. You know, it's like bring it. Give us all your tournaments that are uh, neglected and, and underpublicized. And let's make them a big deal. And let's get people excited about them. And let's let's serve all these different constituents. And it's just uh, it's it's the perfect slate for, for Bannon Dunes. And by the way, those are those are, you know, the most fun to watch. I've gotten to to work, you know, the USGA events with Fox Sports for five years from 2015 uh, to 19. I got to work the U.S. Opens and those were fun, but long days. I was in the TV compound. It's obviously a lot going on that week uh, and for the patrons as well. Um, but my favorite events were, you know, Curtis Cup, Walker Cup, uh, the amateurs. You get to go out there, you can, you know, talk to the families and friends that are following the players. You can walk out on the fairways. You can dip into the press conferences. You can even talk to the players after the round. Um, it's just such a, a different environment um, and very enjoyable for, for the spectator. So I would advise to go. Well, you know, back, you know, back to Pinehurst, Royal Dornick being Kaiser's original model in which he was like, wow, 10,000 North Americans make the trek to Royal Dornick every year. Well, maybe if I build something in a remote location, we can get 10,000 North Americans to go to, you know, Southern Oregon. Uh, which then ended up becoming 20,000 North, North American people making that trek, which ended up being the the justification why he would build a second course. But you got Dornick, Ross, Ross goes to Pinehurst, Kid from Scotland goes to Bandon. Uh, Pinehurst and Bandon become, as you, you've put it, Alan, like an arms race in terms of greatness as, you know, as it is for, the avid amateur golfer, um, one starting a putting course, one doing another putting, one doing a short course, the other one doing a short course. This has been, uh, you know, uh, the 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 architects Corin Crenshaw there, then you know Bill Corin Ben come back to Pinehurst to redo and restore number two. Um, it, it's just there, there's this beautiful connective tissue in which you can take it all the way back to Ross who worked with old Tom Moore. I mean, this just really is golf as it was meant to be. And I think American golf and architecture got sideways and lost its way for decades uh, as people were trying to innovate and, and create real estate in which they could sell houses around golf and I think what Mike did was reset that narrative and reset that path uh, for the next, you know, for the next 100 years as now everything is being redone and reimagined and um, and people are gravitating towards what really matters, which is golf first golf as it was meant to be here. Here. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. And we win. I always say, like, we, you know, I've always said if I wrote a book about Kaiser, it would, it would always say, what do we think? Because that's the way he approaches almost any decision. He polls the group of people that he's assembled to say, what do we think? And then he listens to what everybody thinks. And then he ultimately makes the decision. But the decisions he has made as it relates to what we have uh, at, at, certainly at Bandon Dunes and now what his sons are doing at Sand Valley and what Ben Cowandour has done with, you know, Cabot and now what will be Cabot St. Louis, Cabot St. Lucia just continues. The ripple effect here is happening. And I should also note that I spoke to Michael Kaiser earlier today as well. Mike's oldest son, who he and Chris, Michael and Chris Kaiser are, are, are the owners of Sand Valley. And I asked Michael before I got Mike on the phone to say, hey, on behalf of the Kaiser family, what's your comments on these, you know, these uh, USGA events and then the idea of a sixth course? And he said, look, I'm happy to talk to you, but I'm going to defer to my dad on on his comments about his baby, which is Bandon Dunes. I don't feel comfortable being the voice of our family speaking on behalf of of the news out of Bandon Dunes on both fronts, because this is my dad's, this is my dad's vision. This is my dad's creation. And this is, you know, in large part going to be a big part of my dad's legacy. 
I mean, that, that, that just shows you, I mean, that just shows you just sort of the quality of all the, like Mike Kaiser is telling you about Josh Lesnick and Mike Davis and Michael Kaiser is telling you about, this is my dad. And, you know, there's nobody out there banging chest and grandstanding about this is about me. Everybody's talking about how it's about everybody else. And it's a, it's, it's what you feel when you go there, that what it really is about is about us is about our experience and our opportunity for that kind of camaraderie that you talked about, those memorable experiences, those moments with loved ones and family and friends. And I mean, and, and that desire that as you're driving away, you want to sob like a child because it's coming to an end and you can't wait to go back. Well, that's a perfect way to end it. I mean, that's uh, well said, Maddie. It's it's a special place to all of us. So, uh, you know, it's just it's a great day for golfers. But what can you say? It's uh, it's something to celebrate for uh, so many different reasons, and uh, it's fun to kick it around because this just makes. I hadn't thought about banning, you know, in a couple of days until today. It's like, <laughs> it's like oh my god, we got to get back there. Wait, how many months is it? You know, it's like uh, so. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's a celebration. That's what it is. I'll leave you with this. Mike actually painted this picture for me. He goes, he was most excited about the juniors, by the way, of all the people, the boys and girls, uh, uh, you know, amateur events there is what he's so excited about. He goes, Maddie, can you imagine one day the idea of Bandon Janella playing a junior championship at Bandon Dunes? And you're all out there on his bag, you know, as uh, you know, knowing the golf courses like you know him, trying to coach your son around. The, and I was like, all right, that's it. You got to stop. I'm gonna, you know, that's too much, too much for me to handle. Can you imagine? Abandoned, abandoned, winning a championship. So he did paint that little picture. So now that's all I can think about. And I'll probably be dreaming about it for the next <laughs> decades to come. You're going to be telling Bannon to putt it. You're going to know yeah. the exact spots. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a game story I look forward to writing, Matt. So. Colt will film and edit. Yeah, yeah, we got it. We got you going. Um, All yeah. right, boys, this was fun. Thank Until next you guys. time, hopefully we're there. And we'll to Mike, fire pit offsite. To Mike Kaiser, to Mike Davis, to Josh Lesnick, to the people like Shu, to all the caddies, to the great experiences, to Howard McKee, to uh, – to Shorty and his wife, I mean, David Kidd and Mr. Kidd and Doke and Urbina and Cor and Crenshaw and my goodness, thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, and that is Link Soul, our friends John Ashworth and Jeff Cunningham for their support. Couldn't do it without them. Go to linksoul.com and use promo code FIREPIT25 for 25% off on your next purchase. And then our friends at Parpoints, uh, couldn't do it without them either. Uh, the innovative guys who came up with a way to score the game. Download the app and go make par.